Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Grab a seat. Thank you guys so much for coming this morning. Hey, if you have a Bible, jump to the Gospel of Mark chapter 9. That's Mark chapter 9 for me. Grab there. I'm going to read us a couple of verses and then we will jump in. Uh, Mark chapter 9, starting verse 14. We'll read 14 through 23. And it says this. And when they came to the disciples... They saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out. And they were not able. And he answered them, O foolish generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him the boy to him. And and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and fell to the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it often casts him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if I can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd had come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after a loud crying and convulsing, convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him, and he rose. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for the launch of a new semester. And I thank you that you are with us, even in the midst of challenging circumstances, the trials that are coming ahead of us. So Lord, as we open up your word, as we get excited about a new semester, I pray that you would open up our hearts for what you would want to speak to us this morning. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, you are in Aggieland. Any freshmen in the room? Any freshmen kind of built their way, their way in here? Okay. So, uh, hey, be gentle to them. They're just freshmen. Okay. Help them, welcome them well. You are here, and coming to Aggieland is a total culture shock for most of you. If you're from Houston or Dallas or major cities, it is a culture shock because you're asking yourself the question, where's the anthropology to update my style, right? Where's the Apple store to update my computer? And the answer is, not here, you know? It's not here. For others of you, this is the biggest town you've ever lived in, and you're like, they've got two Targets and like two or three Walmarts in here. It's a totally new culture shock. And not only just in arriving in the city, when you arrive on campus. And, and for me, the first time I arrived on campus, I was just very confused about all the rules because no one had taken the time to explain the rules. And there's lots of rules. They're great rules, but there's lots of them. So you, you cannot talk in certain areas. Like you gotta be kind of quiet and, and reserved. And other places, you can't stand in certain areas, Right? 
And other times they tell you, you, why aren't you yelling more, right? If you go to a football game, they'll be like, why are you silent? Why are you sitting, right? Stand up, yell loud. And, and for some of you, as you first walk into this culture, those different things spinning, you're like, where do I sit? Where do I stand? Ah, you know, you don't know how to respond because when to yell, when to sit, when to stand, it's all a culture shock for you. And freshmen, it's going to happen with you. You're going to be there with your little map of campus, and you're going to be like, where do I go? And it will be obvious, but hopefully you can make a friend here that will see you on campus lost and help direct you to a new place. But see, the, the thing is, with all of these rules, with all these things, it's, it's knowing the what behind the why that makes it worthwhile, right? It's knowing the what behind the why. It's, it's why, why, what are we doing, but, but more importantly, why are we doing this? And you know that as you walk to the MSC, you need to take off your hat and you need to not step on the grass because it's a place that are honoring soldiers that have given their lives for for you, for us. And the what makes it more exciting. When you go to a football game, the whys are important. You can be the 12th man. That means you can make a difference in the game. And and a friend of mine went to the a game for the first time as a freshman, and he was yelling his, his head off, and there came a moment when the volume was so loud, the, literally the players couldn't, couldn't call the play, they couldn't hear the play call, and so they stopped, and, and literally they changed the game, they're like, ah, 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 you know, and excited that they contributed to the football game. You can make an impact as a 12th man, and as an Aggie, when you graduate, you're part of an exclusive network. People will see your ring randomly as you're walking through an airport or a Starbucks, and they're like, hey, what class are you? And and all of a sudden, you've got a dialogue and you've got a connection because when you understand the why, the what's make a lot more sense. And the reason I start there is because I want to start us this semester with the simple why for faith. As As a Christian, we are called to be people of faith, but but for some of us, we, we don't understand how God works faith in our lives. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we get a definition of faith from the writer of Hebrews. And he writes it this way in Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1. He says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And in verse 7, he expounds on it a little bit further. Verse 6, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. What's so crazy about verse six, it says this. Hey, the foundation of our our lives is faith. And if you want to be pleasing to God, you need to know two things. You need to believe that God exists and that God rewards. And God wants us to be a people of faith, grounded in faith. And that's hard because oftentimes we don't understand what what God is trying to do in making us a faithful people. But I'll I'll tell you this, we are supposed to be people that that faith is this, trust in a reliable source. And what that means is this, faith is rooted in the past that creates a present confidence that enables us to trust God for the future. Faith is this, it's rooted in the past that gives us confidence in the present to trust God for the future. And what that means simply is this, that God is going to do things in your life to build your faith. A large reason we have a Bible of of recorded events and interactions of God with humanity is so that he can show you, I've been faithful to people's lives in the past. In fact, if you were to read Hebrews chapter 11, you would see literally the hall of faith. 
men and women who God proved that he was faithful to in the past. And that past truth should give us present confidence so that as we walk, we can have faith in the future. See, trust, faith is simply this. It's trust in a reliable source. God is trustworthy. Faith is not these two things. Faith is not blind acceptance or, or hope against hope. Blind acceptance is this. Hey, just believe. Just, just accept what I'm telling you. Accept that's a safe thing to eat. No, no, it's more than that. And it's not hope against hope. It's not like saying, like, I, I, this probably won't happen, but I'll just hope it will. No, no, actually, faith is trust in a reliable source. And faith, secondly, is grown or built in time to struggle. What God will do in each one of our lives, because he wants to build faith in us, is that he will put us in times of struggle. Because how is faith grown? The same way you grow a muscle. So this summer, for some of you, it was going into your sophomore year, and freshman year was rough because you put on 15 to 35 pounds because of the food in the dorm world, right? And, and, and you put on a bunch of weight, and you said, this summer, I'm getting good fit, right? And so you get to the gym, and you're just like, boom, boom. And then, guys, you stand in front of that mirror, because in every gym, they've got a billion mirrors, and you go, that's what I'm talking about. Look at that vein, right? And as you're, as you're lifting those muscles, it's not that the pain is good, right? You're not like, oh, it burns so good. No, no, the burn isn't good. The burn hurts. But it's what the burn produces that gives you excitement, And I think oftentimes when it comes to faith, we don't realize why God is putting struggle into our lives. But he will. This semester, God is planning on putting struggle in your life. And the struggle is present to build your faith. And for some of us, uh, we will literally be put in an insurmountable circumstance. You will be put in a situation where you do not have control. For some of you, Crazy is going to be created by God in your midst. God's already put you with that potluck roommate, right? And they're crazy. They like to air dry when they step out of the shower, and you're like, what is going on, right? (laughs) Crazy is created in your life. He'll put you in that circumstance with that crazy roommate, or crazy's coming. God will literally allow crazy to, to come into your life to make your life a little bit messed up. There's some moment that's going to be coming. Or, for some of us, crazy is a continual part of our life. There is an insurmountable circumstance because crazy is just part of our life. And for some of you, you can trace it back to your steps, steps of life. Because for you, college is a refuge because home's not. Because some of us, we have parents that that if you, if you look back at your home environment, it just feels like there's tension, like there's struggle. Or maybe it's a sibling at home. Maybe there's a brother or a sister that's, that's going through some sort of continual issue and it always comes up. Maybe it's their drug problem or they're fighting with your parents. Crazy for some of you is a continual part of your life. And you just, it's the air you breathe. It's the environment you've walked in. And coming to college is like that reprieve for you, but you know as soon as you get a phone call or that text, you know that they're going to be calling you to come help with crazy at home. And it's in that continual crazy that we meet our man. In fact, as the story opens up in Mark chapter 9, we see a man and he has a son. And right before this moment was a miraculous moment in the life of the disciples. They literally saw Jesus glowing on the man of transfiguration. It was pretty sweet. 
They come down the mountain and crowds rush them. See, when it comes to the person of Jesus, crowds are always coming to him. Crowds are always wanting to get in contact with Jesus and to know Jesus and to hear from Jesus. And they're flooding him. And they, there's a moment when, when they brings the son and as they're sitting there, they cannot cast out the demon out of this man's life. There's a son that is possessed and life is crazy. And Jesus comes down and they're arguing. And you see in the mix, there's, there's Pharisees, there's scribes, and they're having this argument. And so Jesus walks up and he says, hey, what are y'all fighting about? And he says, look, I brought my son to your, to your disciples. That means the people that you're connected with, people that you know, people that you've trained. And they couldn't cast out the demon. They couldn't fix my deepest struggle. This continual crazy that's been part of my life. And if you're honest with yourself, it's in moments like this that your faith is tested the most. It's in these deep times of struggle. And you ask yourself this question, God, if you're good, God, if you're here, why would you allow this thing to happen? And even if I come to you, why wouldn't you fix this problem? In fact, that is a major issue for many people of faith today. Why would God allow pain if he really is good. In fact, one atheist, a guy named Bart Ehrman, who at one point was a Christian, says it this way. Suffering, suffering increasingly became a problem for me in my faith. How can one explain all the pain and misery in the world if God, the creator and redeemer of all, is sovereign over it, exercising his will both on the grand scheme and in the daily workings of our lives? Why, I asked, is there such rampant starvation in the world? Why are there droughts, epidemics, hurricanes, and earthquakes? If God answers prayer, why, did he, why didn't he answer the prayers of the faithful Jews during the Holocaust? Or if the faithful Christians who suffered torment and death at the hands of the Nazis, if God is concerned to answer my little prayers about daily life, why didn't he answer my and others' big prayers when millions are being slaughtered by the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, when a mudslide kills 30,000 Colombians in their sleep in a matter of minutes, when disaster of all kinds caused by humans and by nature happen in the world. You see, I think for many of us, if if we look at the pain of the world, that can cause us deep moments to question our faith. And what's so interesting is that this man brings his greatest struggle to Jesus. He brings him this greatest struggle and says, Jesus, what are you going to do about my boy? What are you going to do in this situation? And maybe you have come to God and said, God, this is the thing with me. This is the thing that is causing my faith to struggle. But let me tell you this. For some people, the struggle causes disillusionment. They say, God, I don't know if I can even trust you. It causes despair, disillusionment. But for other people, it brings dependence. It's interesting, I I was talking to a a friend of mine, and he talked about um, two families, two couples that had suffered a similar issue within their family. One couple had lost a child um, early in life, and so had the other couple, the same issue. One couple, it drove them to divorce because they couldn't deal with the pain. The other couple, it drove them to dependence. It actually strengthened their faith and rallied them together. 
I was listening to Tim Keller. He has an amazing book called uh, Suffering, dealing with the issue of suffering. He says, look, it, it, it's not the issue of the pain. It's how you respond. And I tell you what, God is wanting to do something with the struggles we face. He's wanting to do something with, with the pain that, that he is allowed or he creates in our lives. And this man brings his son with this struggle to Jesus. And Jesus has this amazing question to him. He asked him first, how long has this been happening in verse 21? And he said, from childhood. It has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if he can do anything, have compassion on him. He says, this, this struggle has been with me my entire life. Hey, but if you can do something, help out. And then Jesus takes this moment with this statement to hone in. Let's take this statement in this moment and say, wait a minute, if I can do anything, if, if I can, who are you talking to, buddy? I'm Jesus, right? I've walked on water. I've cast out demons. I was glowing a little while ago. You weren't there, but my boys were. Like, I can do something. And here's the truth. God can do something. He can do something to fix our deepest struggle. He absolutely can. Will he? That's another question, but he can. And so he comes to him and says, if you can do anything, and Jesus says, okay, if I can do anything, and he points in and says, okay, I want to take this moment of your greatest struggle and use it to see what your struggle actually is. It's with your faith. See, you think what you need is to fix this problem with your son. What I'm telling you is the deeper issue is your faith. And Jesus will often take a moment to point to the bigger problem and say, let's, let's make that rise to the surface. Let's address that issue. If I can, do you believe I can? Because I can. And he says, look, this is the issue in your life. He will often reveal an internal struggle within us for the simple purpose so that he could replace our faith with a dependent faith. You see, what God wants us to do is to trust in him, to be dependent on him. And he'll often put you in entirely challenging circumstances simply to build your faith in dependence on him. And that's hard when I say that. Because at the beginning of the semester, this is a time not when you want to show dependence, when you want to show like, hey, I am autonomous, right? So some of you are going out in sorority world, right? You're freshmen coming in, or maybe you're uh, in sorority and you're trying to like draw people in. And what you're looking for is not people that are dependent or needy. What you're looking for is girls that got it all together. And so the girls, you're walking in, you're like, I want to show confidence, yet concern. I want to show that I'm, I'm personable, yet not overbearing. And so how do I do that, navigate those waters just perfectly? Or maybe you're in the core. And if you're in the core world, you definitely want, don't want to show dependence. You want to show strength because you're like, I just need, really need help doing one more push-up. I mean, what are you going to get from that statement? Some junior in your face going like, I don't care what you need, son. I will tell you what you need tomorrow, right? And so you know that dependence in so many of our worlds is actually not what people want to see. They want to see confidence, character. I can hold my own. I can get it together. In fact, even coming to college, it wasn't a time when you showed dependence. You showed confidence. One of my favorite college essays displays this view perfectly. It was written uh, to an essay prompt. The prompt was this. In order for the administrative, administrative staff for our college to get to know you, the applicant, better, we ask that you answer the following question. 
Are there any significant experiences you have had or accomplishments you have realized that have helped define you as a person? All right, you've read, written some sort of answer to that. Like, I'm an incredible human being. Well, here's what this guy wrote. I'm a dynamic figure often seen scaling walls and crushing ice. I've been known to remodel train stations on my lunch breaks, making them more efficient in the area of heat retention. I translate ethnic slurs for Cuban refugees. I write award-winning operas. I manage time efficiently. Occasionally, I tread water for three days in a row. I woo women with my sensuous and godlike trombone playing. I can pilot bicycles up severe inclines with unflagging speed. I can cook 30-minute brownies in 20 minutes. I'm an expert in stucco, a veteran in love, and an outlaw in Peru. Using only a hoe and a large glass of water, I once single-handedly defended a small village in the Amazon basin from a horde of ferocious army ants. I play bluegrass cello. I was scouted by the Mets. I am the subject of numerous documentaries. I was, when I'm bored, I build large suspension bridges in my yard. I enjoy urban hang gliding. On Wednesdays after school, I repair electrical appliances free of charge. I'm an abstract artist, a concrete analyst, and a ruthless bookie. Critics worldwide swoon over my original line of corduroy evening wear. I don't perspire. I'm a private citizen, yet I receive fan mail. I've been the caller number nine and have won the weekend pass. Last summer, I toured New Jersey with a traveling centrifugal force demonstration. I bat 400. My deft floral arrangements, how awesome is that? My deft floral arrangements have earned me fame in international botany circles. Children, trust me. I can, <laughs> I can hurl tennis rackets at small moving objects with deadly accuracy. I once read Paradise Lost, Moby Dick, and David Copperfield in one day and still had time to refurbish an entire dining room that evening. I know the exact location of every food item in the supermarket unless college students come and steal them all and then I can't buy them. He doesn't say that, but that's our world. Okay. <laughs> I have performed several covert operations for the CIA. I sleep once a week. When I do sleep, I sleep in a chair. While on vacation in Canada, I successfully negotiated with a group of terrorists who had seized a small bakery. The laws of physics do not apply to me. (laughs) I balance, I weave, I dodge, I frolic, and my bills are all paid. On weekends to let off steam, I participate in full contact origami. (laughs) Years ago, I discovered the meaning of life but forgot to write it down. I have made extraordinary four-course meals using only a moule and a toaster oven. I breed prize-winning clams. I have won bullfights in San Juan, cliff-diving competitions in Sri Lanka, and spelling bees at the Kremlin. I have played Hamlet. I have performed open-heart surgery, and I have spoken with Elvis. But I have not yet gone to college. That is a man who's got it together, Right? That is the standard. That is a man who needs no dependence other than the fact that he hasn't quite been to college yet, right? And honestly, I think in most of our lives, we're like, okay, yeah, I want to have faith, but I want to show that I'm strong. I'm not dependent on you, God. I've got it together. And you may not write it just like that, but there's something within us that doesn't want to show weakness. We want to show strength. But the truth is we are dependent on God for everything, everything. The breath you breathe is from God. The sun shining down is from God. Everything that we have is simply a gift from God. And we all need help. Even if we think we get it together, we have it together. We will make a mess. I've got four kids. I've got a six-year-old daughter named Peyton who just started kindergarten. 
I, yeah, it's very exciting. I've got a four-year-old son named Micah, um, who is awesome, loves to play tennis. I've got a three-year-old son named Jesse, who's a mess. We'll talk about him in a moment. And I've got a, nine, a nine-month-old daughter named Juliet. So that's two boys, two girls, four under six, crazy life. And uh, Jesse will always get up early. He'll get up early, and he'll go down to the kitchen, and inevitably, he'll either eat a cookie from, from the Tupperware as he climbs himself onto our counter, or the other day, I, I saw this. Um, he had climbed up onto the counter, and he had a bag of my Starbucks coffee, pre-ground coffee. And I see him dump it all over himself and start picking up pieces and trying to put it into the coffee maker. And daddy's just mad, right? I come out at 6.30 in the morning. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, I, I yelled at him. I'm like, come out here. And I carry him with coffee grounds all over his lap outside and shake him off, you know, like a good daddy. And then I just sit him down. I'm like, okay, calm down, calm down, calm down. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? And he's like, I was doing my job. I'm like, what is your job? You're three. And he's like, I was making coffee for you, daddy. I know. I felt horrible. And I'm like, oh, buddy, you just don't get it. You tried your best, but you made a mess of it because you need me. You need me. And I think God oftentimes in our life is he will let us struggle to show us we need him because he wants us to be a dependent people on him. J.I. Packer writes it this way. God uses chronic pain and weakness, along with other afflictions, as a chisel for sculpting our lives. Felt weakness deepens our dependence on Christ for strength each day. The weaker we feel, the harder we lean. And the harder we lean, the stronger we grow spiritually. Even while our bodies waste away, to live with your thorn uncomplainingly, that is sweet, patient, and free in heart to love and help others. Even though Every day you feel weak. It is it's true sanctification. It is true healing for the spirit. It is the supreme victory of grace. See, Jesus will let you struggle so that you will lean on him. He allows pain in every one of our lives so that we draw near to him. And at this moment, God, Jesus doesn't re- rebuke this man. He says, he says, if I can, and the guy says, okay, I believe Help my unbelief. And I love Jesus' response in this moment. He says, okay, come here. And he casts out the demon and heals the son immediately. See, I think all of us would want to believe that we have faith. But it's in those moments of trial that we have to really take an internal perspective and say, do I really believe he'll come through for me? And the simple answer is, Yes, he will. And after crying out, the demon left, and then God says, Jesus says, look, he, he's healed. Take him, go. I love that. See, in our deepest struggle, God is there to help us in our deepest need. And if you look at the, the salvation, it was at, or the, the release of this demon, it's actually very interesting. So the demon be- releases, and the guy falls down on his, on his stomach, And everyone in the moment thinks he's dead until Jesus walks over and picks him up by the hand. I love Tim Keller. I I read him all the time. And and I think one of the great 
insights that Tim Keller has on the moment when Jesus heals is simply this, that Jesus is showing what he can do. Not that he comes through this way at every point in everyone's life. He's showing what he can do. And he allows this moment of absolute insanity to show everyone, I'm here for you. I can fix it. But the question is, will God always come through for you in your deepest struggle? No. No, he won't. In fact, Paul struggled this, with this same, a similar issue with God. And it says in, in 2 Corinthians, when Paul says that he was with God, he says he prayed for them for three times. Jesus, God, take this thorn from my side. Like, release me from this pain. Make it go away so that I can... can and we don't know what exactly the issue was. Maybe he, it was to minister better. Maybe it was a sight issue. Maybe it was a, 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 an issue he had with his legs. We don't know what the issue was, but he pleaded with God, take this from me. And then God has this amazing response. He says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. Why didn't he take the thorn away from Paul? He says, Paul, this struggle is not going to define you, but it will show my grace to you. I've saved you, Paul. And there will come a day when I remove every bit of pain we face. There will come a day when everything is made new. But in the meantime, you can strengthen your dependence on me and trust me that my grace is enough for you. Bart Ehrman uh, rejected his faith. When he saw the struggle and pain that people all over the world see, that all of us see, he says, I, I can't believe in a God who would do that. And then he, he pins this other little quote. He says, but the God of the Bible is unique in that it says that God lays down his life and suffers alongside of those who believe in him. In fact, that is the gospel that Jesus laid down his life. He, he took on all the pain of the world to bring us freedom. He suffered eternally to bring us victory. And it says that he sacrificed his life for the sake of those who would have faith. And the truth is that if you put your faith wholly and solely in Jesus, you are forgiven, but not freed from every struggle. But there will come a, a great hope when he removes all pain. And he says, in the meantime, you can trust me. I laid down everything for you. You can believe in me that I will carry you through. One of the amazing opportunities we have, we have here at Grace is to build communities to help us stand when we struggle. You may ask yourself the question, Kevin, why are the, there are these table hosts here? Why are all these random people in Grace shirts you know, following me around and asking me weird questions? Here's why. We want to surround you with people that know you and love you and help you to get connected. And we will all struggle with our faith. The opposite of, of faith is disbelief. But right in the middle is doubt. And every one of us needs people around us to help us through our doubts. In the moments when you're saying, I believe, help my unbelief, that's where we want to be. And so we have table hosts, people that would love to connect with you to, to help you grow in your faith. And we also have leaders at your table. They're leading small groups on campus, all over dorms and apartments, everywhere, that would love to help connect with you. We want to do everything we can to help you grow in your faith. And I'll tell you this, 
there is nothing that can change your life like a simple, dependent faith on Jesus Christ who laid down his life for you. It's interesting, at the end of the, the statement, Bart Ehrman says, I don't believe that anymore. But if I did, I would believe in that God. It's unique. And I'll tell you what, he is worth holding to. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you that you help us to grow in dependent faith on you. And Lord, I know all of us will go through struggles this semester, questioning our career paths, questioning our roommates, questioning our families, everything that comes at us. But I pray that we could be a people that leans more firmly into you and trusts you to carry us through, even in the midst of our struggles. I pray for these table groups that you would give them dynamic conversation, great questions as they dig into this issue. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Turn to your groups and uh, table host will lead discussion for you. Hello and welcome to the Grace College Postcast. And uh, my name is Kevin Barra. And I'm Jacob Smith. And we are the uh, college communicators here at Grace Bible Church. Uh, We oversee our services at Anderson. I'm at Anderson. Kevin's at Southwood. Uh, And man, we're happy to kick off a brand new semester. It has been an exciting summer and we are so glad to be kicking off the fall semester with you guys. And uh, we had a fun kickoff with a color war. We did. We did. It was a it was a colorful affair. Uh, I had never actually been to a color war before. I don't Me think neither. either of us had been to a color mm-hmm. war before. No. Uh, I knew of it in theory. Mm-hmm. I did not know of it in practice. Yeah, one of our fellows uh, came up and said, hey, we should pull this off. And anytime you can get a couple hundred college students together and pelt them with colored-filled mm-hmm. water balloons, it's going to be a winning time. It's going to be a good time. You're yeah. going to enjoy it. Uh, it, was, it was incredibly... Uh, insane, but super, super fun. Uh, definitely want to do it uh, every week. Just do, <laughs> Maybe not every, but it was, it was, it was, it was fun to pull off, and it's fun to see all the college students excited to be back. And, it was. Uh, yeah. and I'll tell you what, our first first couple Sundays were were so fun. Yeah, I mean, the energy in the room was awesome. And, Slightly uh, less colorful, but just as fun, just as exciting. We had our first. Uh, actually, even we we had another first. We had our first nine fifteen service at Anderson. So yeah. we're not just meeting at 11 o'clock in the morning. We're also meeting at 9.15 in the morning. Uh, and man, it was super cool. I was shocked at the number of people who were willing to brave the early morning, <laughs> brave the early morning of nine, at nine o'clock AM, <laughs> uh, you know, roll out of bed at eight forty five, get it's to a, church. Crack of dawn by nine, nine, fifteen. Yeah. Well, the best part about it was we had about a third as many students in the nine fifteen as we did in the 11. Mm-hmm. Um, but they drank just about the exact same amount of coffee between the two services. <laughs> Perfect. Which Perfect. was good. You know, they needed it. They were, man, they were pepped. They was good. By the end of it, they were, they were feeling good. That's but awesome. And we were able to launch and we, yeah, it's great. And we were able to launch uh, our, our series, uh, yeah. two-week series for, for Grace College. And uh, one of the fun things we get to do is to really just kind of dream and work together as we kind of craft these series for our college students. And, uh, and we, so we centered on the, the themes of faith, hope, and love uh, for these kind of first two weeks as we're launching out. So, Jacob, why don't you tell us a little bit about how we came 
Yeah. Can't put the series. Uh, we, we love the start of the new year because it's a bunch of fresh faces. It's a brunch of uh, just kind of new energy, new excitement. And because of that, we, we realized like, hey, man, this is a chance to kind of reset and kind of like reposition ourselves, just kind of set our feet, see like, okay, where are we headed? Who are we? Mm. What are we doing? Um, and so we looked even beyond the walls of Grace Bible Church. We weren't just saying like, who are we here at Grace? We're saying, hey, wh- who are we just as believers, as as followers of Jesus Christ, yeah. who are we? And, and we're basically, what we settled on was just the fact that we're a people of faith who have a hope that moves us to love. And so That's we've gotten to talk about that faith. We've gotten to talk about that hope. Uh, this next week, we get to talk about that love, how it how it's experienced and extended beyond the community. Uh, but man, it, it's, it's really fun to just kind of, again, sort of cast that vision and kind of see where are we headed? What's the semester hold for us? Um, yeah, and it's kicking off. It's kicking off well. Yeah, and I'm really excited about this series in particular because we've got so many new freshmen coming in, and uh, and really as we've been thinking about our small groups, uh, we really want to emphasize uh, people that extend love, that invite people in, that yeah. uh, that are a place where where people can feel connected and feel like they can have a home, and we feel like this series sets us off on that trajectory really, really well. So, so yeah, so love for you to join us at one of our campuses, um, and as we jump into love next week yeah which it's be, gonna be a very loving environment a be. great place to be uh and yeah and like you said i mean it leads us right into our small groups kickoffs uh so that's, right. that's coming up next week september 8th uh we are going to be reaching a lot of students in a lot of places we have multiple locations we're three locations if i'm remembering correctly mm-hmm. what do you remember what they yeah, are yeah yeah uh so I'm really excited about this. So for college students, we, we know we, we love the large gathering, but we know they need community. And through our small groups, it's a great opportunity for our students to get connected with other students and be led and help them grow in their walk with Christ. And so, yeah, there's three locations that we're going to have. One is going to be at our Anderson campus, and they, it will be on our main side at our mm-hmm. Anderson campus uh, from 7 to 9. Uh, simultaneously, we'll also have them at our Southwood campus. And so they'll be in the, Cal- the Southwood College wing. So folks familiar with that area, come all over there. And then a third location, this is this is really exciting for us. We're, we are launching some groups that are going to be meeting on campus at Texas A&M University. What's the vision kind of behind that, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, we... Uh we want to meet people where they're at. And so uh, in the interest of, you know, being these people that are moved by love, what we thought is, I mean, you know what we should do is we should just spread out. we got a big campus. We've got 60,000 students at Texas A&M. We've got 15,000 students at Bloom. We've got 75,000 students in our community. And you know what? They spend a lot of their time at school. And so mm-hmm. what we're having this year is we're going to have communities that are meeting on Texas A&M campus. Yeah variety of nights, variety of uh, locations, reaching different dorms or areas of campus. And uh, so, yeah, so for this for this kickoff, uh, what they're doing is they're actually, they're not meeting us at Anderson. They're not meeting us at Southwood. They're, they're meeting up at A&M. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's really great. I'm really excited for it. We've got some amazing fellows directing all that. And all the information for that is on our website. So if you're interested in, you know, coming straight out of your 10-hour study session and walking straight into some people that want to love you and, and support you and uh, encourage you in your faith. Uh, yeah, you can find all that stuff online yeah. uh, through our website, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we'll, we'll put all those details out. Yeah, www.grace-bible.org. Please check us out there. And uh, yeah, especially if you're a freshman and not sure how to get connected, if you live on campus, come on out to our campus small groups uh, that will be launching this coming Thursday, September 8th. And the last one we got is actually Wednesday, right before that kickoff, and it's 
College Game Day. Yes. And uh, that's going to be at our Southwood campus. Sports. It is <laughs> sports. It's going to be great. <laughs> the fun part about this uh, Grace College Game Day is that we have three Aggie athletes that are actually coming mm-hmm. out and sharing their testimonies of how Christ has made an impact in their life. Uh, the event itself is from 6 until 8.30. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be food trucks from 6 until 7. So oh, yeah. come get ready to eat. And uh, two local radio guys, uh, Gabe Bach and Chip Howard, are going to help host the event. And so they will make you laugh, and and it'll be a really, really fun time. We'll be time. asking those hard-hitting questions. Hard-hitting questions. Great Fine. interviewers. <laughs> Getting to the guys. bottom of what our athletics program was really looking like this year. Boom. And we all want to know. And Trevor Knight will be there giving his testimony. He's our Texas A&M quarterback this year. And uh, so it'll be a really, really fun event. So hope to see you out there. That is Wednesday September 7th. September 7th. Yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun. So with that, that's that wraps up our first Grace College podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next week about this time. Yep. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.